TED Audio Collective. Tired of unnecessary payroll errors? Stop them in their tracks. With Paycom, employees do their own payroll. They're able to identify errors and fix them before submission, right in the app. Because no one can afford for payroll to be wrong. Not HR and payroll teams, not leaders, and definitely not employees. Shorted paychecks, timesheet corrections, unentered sick days, missing overtime hours, and expense mistakes are, well, unnecessary for everyone. Manage the process to make payday right with Paycom. Learn more at paycom.com slash soundrise. That's paycom.com slash soundrise. Hi, I'm Debbie Millman. Canva is great for designing visual content for work, no matter what industry or department you work in. Now your next presentation with Canva Presentations. Start with a professionally designed template and use it as a springboard for your design. It's a serious time saver. Time to present but can't be there in person? Enter Canva Talking Presentations. Record yourself presenting and add your talking head to your slides so your audience can watch your perfected presentation anywhere, anytime. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. Improv was a really good base for me in the way in which I create now, which is I think I like showing the flaws. You're seeing every time I mess up. From the TED Audio Collective, this is Design Matters with Debbie Millman. For 18 years, Debbie Millman has been talking with designers and other creative people about what they do, how they got to be who they are, and what they're thinking about and working on. On this episode, Abby Jacobson talks about the importance of making mistakes in the creative process. Listen, I I love Broad City and I love what we put out into the world, but we messed up a lot too. Who doesn't love to live well? to be perfectly at ease, in comfort, and style. Hunter Douglas can help you do just that with their innovative window shade designs, gorgeous fabrics, and control systems so advanced they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. There are so many wonderful things about them. Perhaps it's the way the shades diffuse harsh sunlight to cast a beautiful glow across the room, or being able to enjoy the view outside the window while protecting your privacy inside. When you tap into Hunter Douglas's PowerView technology, your shades can be set to automatically reposition for the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation, morning, noon, and night. That's what I love the most about them. So live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. And right now, for a limited time, you can take advantage of generous rebate savings opportunities on select styles. Visit hunterdouglas.com slash design matters for details. That's hunterdouglas.com slash design matters. This is Debbie Millman, and I'm back with a new season of Design Matters. 
Thank you for your patience during the break, and I hope you enjoyed the archival shows we put in the rotation. In the meantime, I sent my new book into the world. If you're interested, it's called Why Design Matters, Conversations with the World's Most Creative People. I'm excited to get back to having those conversations, and I was excited to go in person to this year's TED conference to interview Abby Jacobson, the co-star and co-creator of the groundbreaking TV show Broad City and author and illustrator of the book I Might Regret This. But as luck would have it, I got COVID and couldn't go. Fortunately, the show did go on with my friend and fellow podcaster and writer, Dylan Marin, stepping in for me as my guest host. Dylan is an actor, writer, and activist. You may have heard his voice work as Carlos in the podcast, Welcome to the Night Vale. He has also hosted his own podcast, Conversations with People Who Hate Me, which he also turned into a marvelous book of the same title. Dylan spoke to Abby Jacobson in front of the live TED audience in Vancouver. Let us begin, friends, angels, kings. Um, I am so, so, so excited to bring this person up to the stage. You know her as the co-creator and co-star of the incredible television show Broad City. Uh, she is the author of the essay collection, I Might Regret This, and she is the executive producer and star of the upcoming television adaptation of A League of Their Own. Please welcome Abby Jacobson. Hi, hi, hi. Hi, honey. Welcome to the stage. Thanks. This is cool. Yeah. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. You look amazing. You look amazing. Great. Too. <laughs> okay. I just said it for the compliment back. I know. Um, I know. So you did. I, know you I did. ignored. I was like, I'll say whatever. And you I do want. look amazing. Thank now. you. I mean and that's it. what matters. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So you're not a stranger to TED. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Take us there. <laughs> it's it's very bizarre for me to be sitting on any stage here yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, so my first job in New York was uploading a TED Talk <laughs> um, for a, a, a company that TED hired. It was two guys and me, and I uploaded TED Talks in 2006. Whoa. And tracked the analytics of those talks. How were the analytics? They're good. Okay. They're pretty solid analytics. I was not great at my job, and I didn't work there that long. But okay. I, I have a deep history of TED, and my dad used to come very early on. A he was a, He was like an OG TEDster. Wow. Yeah. And how did that job end? I was fired. Okay. <laughs> I was fired. Okay. And now yeah. take that. Uh, here we are. Here we are. So, so guys, yeah, um, look, you look never know. <laughs> if you're fired from TED, you can create an amazing television show on Comedy yep, Central yep, and yep, be yep. here. It was meant, yeah, it was um, meant to happen that way. Abby, my love, Dude. my friend. <laughs> We're dating now. Um, uh, no. Um, <laughs> the fact checkers <laughs> start spiraling. Um, this is our announcement. <laughs> this is our announcement. We yep. are dating. Yep. Um, I want to take you back to the 90s. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. The Bodyguard now. is the movie of the moment. Okay, yep. Mm -hmm. There is a young Abby Jacobson. Okay, picture okay. her. Love her. We love her. She's writing a letter to Lorne Michaels 
what? Oh man, you've done some. I did. I did the research. Okay. Yeah. I wrote, yeah. But okay, she's writing a letter to Lauren Michaels, yeah. the head of Saturday Night Live. Tell us what that letter says. Studio 8H. <laughs> you addressed it to Studio I, 8H. I think I did. Okay, great. I was I was really really into SNL. I think my parents. That was like the show. I, I was sometimes allowed to watch yeah. as a kid. Um, and uh, that's all I wanted to, to do was I was, very, I was Gilda Radner was like the person for me. Yeah. Uh, Gilda Live aired on Comedy Central, which was very full circle because my show ended up being on Comedy Central. <laughs> all these full circle moments, full guys. Full circle, okay. Ted gets um, fired, come yeah. back, Gilda. Um, but I wrote Lauren a, a letter that was so sort of not aggressive, but maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, you better watch out because I'm going to be there. <laughs> and I think I made a bet with my brother that I was going to get on SNL by the time I was 20. Wow. And I 20? haven't paid him that $100 yet. Yeah. yeah I, I was probably like 10. Yeah. When you're 10, 20 is the oldest age. 20 and $100 yeah. is the most money yeah, and the oldest. And the yes. oldest. I was You're like, like yeah, this I'm is going to be happen. on it. Yeah. But by the age of 20, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's precocious, and I'm proud of you. Yeah, for that. I mean, it didn't happen. So Okay, yeah. but a lot of amazing things <laughs> yes. happen. We're going to yes, get yes, to yes. it. So, how do you go from writing that letter to Lorne, <laughs> a threatening letter that could have gotten a, a, you arrested? Yes, yeah. Um, and then you go to Micah. The yeah. Maryland Institute College, College of, of Art. Art. Yeah. yeah. Those words don't... Institute College of Art kind of... There's feel. a missing O. Yeah. Yeah, a you're strong right. missing O. I, I looked at... I Googled it College so many times because I was like, I must be it's like a giving the wrong pages. Kind of throw away. Yeah. 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 But you went to Micah. <laughs> I went to Micah. What brought you there? Okay, so my parents are both artist so I grew up in a household of visual art mm -hmm. my mom was a potter growing up and my dad was a graphic designer hence him being an early tedster and my brother actually now run uh, and my dad have a design firm together in Philadelphia and so that was sort of like the obvious choice was the arts but at, when I was a kid as I said I was really into SNL and comedy and um, like I used to do, I'm gonna take us around. Oh, I used to do, uh, Mike Myers was, I was very <laughs> into Mike Myers, especially his coffee talk, yeah. uh, which coffee was talk Linda was Richmond good, based on yeah. his mother-in-law. And I used to do that in school a lot and I took acting classes, but like this, what I do now was never really a thing I thought was a possible mm. career. Yeah. Cause no one I knew, did any yeah. I'm like what what is that trajectory I just was not on the in my mind right. that this was a possibility so the arts you know it's so easy to become a successful artist yeah, so yeah, I yeah. just <laughs> that's easy maybe a harder yeah them. yeah mm -hmm. um but I was very good at drawing and it's sort of like it, that was all I did as a kid and I sort of could see the results in mm. school I was in my public high school outside Philly had a really great art program and I sort of like was always in that department with those teachers and they sort of took a liking to me and so yeah. that trajectory sort of seemed like the, the way to go and I went I'd looked at a lot of schools but Micah in Baltimore was wasn't that far from Philly and it seemed like it had a great program and yeah, yeah. 
and you went? I went. I was, I was general fine arts, so mostly drawing and painting, but then they, they had just started their video department. Oh, did you, did you take classes? Yes. Wow. And so I was one of the first video minors there. Um, but I kind of just ended up doing these characters <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have just been like, on SNL, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> if you had gotten on by the age of twenty, won that hundred dollars. But at Micah, yeah. it's so it was so interesting. They projected them, yeah, in a gallery. So it was kind of this interesting thing. Yeah. I moved to New York after that, and sort of kept going in the acting world. But I was kind of doing it already at yeah. Micah, just in a different, a little bit of a, like venue. a higher brow way. Yeah. Yeah. It's always like when you get perform like Cindy Sherman. You know, when you get a Cindy yep. Sherman, you're like, oh, am I smart enough to understand <laughs> this? Whereas, like, if you saw it on YouTube, you'd be like, I get it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It has but a very high low yeah. to it. Yeah. Whenever yeah. I go to mom, I'm like, I'm dumb. So <laughs> that's my takeaway when I see fine art. Um, well, you know, not to pitch my own podcast. The, the, good setup. Or maybe you were leading there. Yeah. But I did a podcast with MoMA. Piece of work. A piece of, well, you know. With WNYC, honey, co-production. I know. <laughs> I did my research. This is hilarious. Yeah. We just met. Yeah, and I we love just it. Met. But um, I really, I but just. It did, it, the whole intention was sort of like making art accessible um, to people that feel like they don't understand what it is. Okay, I, I need to listen to that podcast. Yeah, and it's just sort of approaching it with curiosity, and I, it was pretty incredible yeah. working with MoMA. I got to go in to the museum after hours. Wow. It's pretty cool. Mrs. Basilie Frankweiler. Yeah, you had the sleepover at the museum. Oh, I was like, I don't understand that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying words, and you're like, okay, Dylan is unwell. Uh, um, okay, but you, after college, you move to New York for the Atlantic Acting School. I did, oh. which is Mammoth's. Yeah. Mammoth's and William H. Macy's Acting School. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you you were you you took those you took what you learned from the videos and you were like, I like this feeling. I'm going to go towards it. I think it was sort of always what I kind of wanted to do as a kid, mm -hmm. and then felt that was impossible. Yeah. And then my video stuff got, I got some good feedback at Micah from it, and I was like, let me just go for this. And I moved up to New York and went to Atlantic Theater Conservatory program for about a week. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can you take it, us through that week? Uh, we have to hear. It's so. Mm, it's it's such a serious place. Yeah. And I think I. Listen, I I, I still am very interested in the art of acting, but I think I lean more. I definitely like how I came to it through comedy. Yeah. Uh, but this was like full on. It was so serious. Everyone felt very, it felt very heavy. Yeah. I was very in my head and um, like rep. Like I know all these. Anyone that's acting like repetition and scene study and, and analyzing a scene and sort of like, well, what are you really saying when yeah. you're saying this? And I. All very valid if that's how your your mind right. works. It was paralyzing to me. Yeah, I totally get it. And I quit. <laughs> I had to make a decision, you know, when you like go, you sign up for this long thing, and then they're like, you have seven days to. If you don't like it, you've got to do it, or you're gonna lose your deposit. And I was yeah. like, I don't think this is for me. And at the time, I had moved up to New York with uh, my friend from college, Jess, and. I was like going through it and she was like, have you ever been to the UCB, the Upright Citizens mm. Brigade Theater in New York? 
I think like based on your video stuff, you mm-hmm. would like it. And I hadn't, and I went by myself to see an improv show. Yeah. I have no idea what it, show it was, what they were even doing, but I was just fully taken. Yeah. And I was like, that. That's what I want to do. Not this, that. Um, was just because I'm curious, because I think like, stories are so simple in retrospective narration, you know, and like, I left the Atlantic and right. walked right over to the UCB and it's like, no, there was like terror in that time. No, I, I had a full breakdown <laughs> on uh, 15th Street and 9th Avenue. Yeah, I yeah. know the corner well. Yeah. In the vicinity um, of the Atlantic <laughs> Acting School. Yeah, yeah. Right, right near right Pi. No, cause I felt, oh, I, I moved to New York to do this. Yeah. And I guess I can't. Right. Like, I, I often, I even said this to you 20 minutes ago, wow. where I was like, I mean, I am an actor, but like, I'm not, that's yeah. not like what I, right. but I fully am an actor and I can't own it Yeah. because I think that, uh, partially because maybe that experience, but I always, I always go writer first. It makes me feel way more comfortable. Yeah. And so you never say artist. You never say I'm. I, sometimes I say artist. Yeah. The little, my little name tag has a lot of things on it. Cause I couldn't, I wasn't sure how to label oh, myself. Yeah. Same. Like on my IRS forms, it's like a new thing each year. Yeah, it's like yeah, whatever yeah. earned me enough money that yeah. year. I'm like, yeah, writer. You yeah, know? <laughs> exactly. Um, or yeah, we, we talked about this, but people, kind of identify you by the software that you use to like you know to be called a youtuber and exactly it's like, mm, no that's just the software i use exactly, but, exactly. Um, okay so this next part of the story many of us know well if you're not up on the broad city lore, i don't know if this crowd knows okay, well <laughs> no one knows this just, at all just and we're gonna about take to... a long shot not sure this crowd <laughs> yeah. blank faces of just i know like, it's like yeah, just shapes that they're seeing on stage. Um, okay, this next part of, of the story, I know well, and I would uh, there's like There's a couple. To, I can tell. There's like I can feel. There's, there's like a, a couple. few Broad yeah, yeah. City heads. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, broad City. Um, well, I'm a Broad City head, so I will say I know this next part of the story well. And I'll just say uh, on a personal note, you know, I was coming up around the time that Broad City was transitioning from web series to television show. And I remember that offered such a beacon of hope for me and so many friends because it was like, I I don't know, there was like this air of possibility in that you could like make something that you believed in and do it. So. Oh, I love hearing that. Yeah. That's awesome. It, w- it was really, really cool. But um, really we know this next part of the, I know this next part of the story well, which is that you meet Alana Glazer yeah. at McManus, a <laughs> bar frequented by UCB improvisers. Um, yeah. And here's how you write about this moment. It feels false to look back on a moment, a conversation, and see an inciting incident of your own life's movie, like a formulaic Hollywood script broken down beat by beat in a screenwriting handbook. But those handbooks sell so many copies for a reason. (laughs) It was right there at the corner of the bar at McManus that my life changed completely. Um, Were you looking for a collaborator? You know, maybe I didn't know I was. Mm. I was still very new in this community in New York. Um, that I had just been telling you, it, like now when you look at that community and who and who sort of sprouted out of it, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, but 
I didn't, I, I think I was looking for collaborators. Yeah. I didn't know I was looking for sort of my person in that way yeah. at the time. Um, but it, yeah, it felt like that. Alana and I met on an improv, in an improv practice group. So when you, when you, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta share what that is. Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, <laughs> lean in. Uh, so basically uh, the UCB and a lot of these other improv theaters around the country that sort of people have come out of, you're, you're ultimately trying to get on a gr- in, in a group to, to play on stage. Yeah. You want to be in a show that's like on the main stage. And before you can do that, you really have to practice. And so all these little practice groups were formed uh, with of friends that came out of classes and we would perform at little theaters around town that we mm-hmm. would pay for <laughs> and like host shows and it'd be like yeah. three or four improv teams and you'd like, we'd like hand out shots to the audience and it would be like some of the shows were free and it was just like hustling. Yeah. It was like hustling to perform and to like work this muscle. Yeah. Because really good improv is done by people who sort of like have worked at it right. so that when they get out on stage they're not thinking about it which is so and I, I write about this in the book which is like exactly the opposite of what I experienced at Atlantic which was like so yeah. in my head right. and suddenly I found this place that was all about getting to a point where you are like not even in your head at all you're yeah. operating pure gut pure instinct with a group of collaborators yeah. and I guess that was ultimately like what I was yearning for and I had been on this team for a couple weeks and my friend Tim Martin invited uh, these two new people he met in a class to the team, uh, Alana Glazer and her brother Elliot Glazer. Mm -hmm. And I thought that Alana was Alia Shawkat from Arrested (laughs) Development because they look very much alike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that makes sense that she would be on this. Like, she's she's moved to New York. I don't know. And then (laughs) we went to McManus as I wrote about... And I'm sitting at the bar, and she's telling me I did I didn't know Alia's name, so I thought it was a lot. Yeah. And she's telling me about how she grew up on Long Island, and we actually had figured out that two of my best friends from Micah, yeah, she knew. Yeah. And I was like, this is not Alia. Like, there's <laughs> right. no way. And then we just sort of I don't know, like we just sort of, I kind of like fell in love with her when yeah. you fall in love with a friend. Yeah. Because she was so. I mean, if you've ever watched um, our show, which all of you are going to after. <laughs> yeah. It's a, there's a binge session that we're hosting yeah. next full, room. Yeah. yeah. You're, um, you're going to miss the rest of the conference. Virtual but. reality, Broad City. There's an immersive experience. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, ideas, ideas. next year, get in touch with me. Yeah. You yeah. can do that. Um, it'll just be me in the room. <laughs> yeah. You live. There's actually no goggles. It's just you and Alana live in Broad City. Um, but where was I? Just the... Meeting Alana, you fell in love. Yeah, as a and she was so. If you 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 see, you know, we play amplified versions of ourselves right. on the show, and when you get to meet Alana, even on the in the show, you're just. I don't think you've met. You have. You would have not met anyone like her either. Yeah. And I was just like, this person makes me different. Yeah. And that's. Yeah. Yeah. What What's it like playing an amplified version of yourself? Because I think in your book, you, um, I just want to make sure I'm quoting it correctly, but you, you talk, you say that it was like, uh, th- there was a good and bad to naming your character Abby. You play Abby Abrams. You are Abby Jacobson. What was navigating the, the relationship between the two of them like? Yeah. I mean, the amplifiedness of, of playing that character was 
incredible. Be- uh, Abby, unlike the version you're seeing right now, <laughs> super insecure, yeah. um, super uh, just very rambly. Mm. <laughs> okay, no. I like that. <laughs> I'm just like hearing my joke I just said out loud no, and then no, like no, I'm no. doing it. Uh, but just very sort of all the emotions are sort of like yeah. outward, yeah. Uh, like scrambly and rambly and um, just desperately trying to like figure everything mm. out, which I am too. I just get, I got to just sort of, she just, sh- I showed the feelings more, I yeah. think, than I usually tend to do, which was incredible yeah. to, to do that. I, I really, I grew up on the show. I mean, we, we started doing the web series in 2009 mm. and stopped doing this TV show in 2019, is that right? Which was 20 years ago now. Uh, But, you know, there's a a big period of my life and the the negative, I wouldn't even call it bad, but the negative is sort of like, it's the most, and I write about this too, it's like the most flattering thing, I think, that people, if you, people that really found something in the show feel like they really know me. Right. Because it is so much me. Right. But then it is also like, Mm. not so it's like this weird mirror mm. and i'm it's it sort of also made me kind of have to figure out myself all over again or right, something. right right you're seeing this like other it's like a part of you but it's not all of you yes. and you're seeing her but she's also like trapped in amber from this time of your life yeah. where you wrote her yeah. but i'm so happy we went with our names that yeah uh, i mean i was almost carly oh, okay. <laughs> that would have never worked yeah ever <laughs> You guys, you'll know it you'll when know, you get the VR get experience it. of Broad City. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to go back to two things. So one, w- right before and then during Broad City, when you're talking about like doing all of that improv, what you're getting out of that, and as you said, like to get good at improv, you just have to do it all the time, over and over. And this is, I would say, true for every art form, yes. right? But you know, the privilege you get with that is you get to experience a lot of failure. What how is failure involved in your creative process? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, thanks. Mm-hmm, that's a good one. <laughs> Don't yeah, answer it, just feel, we'll move on. I, <laughs> I just want the compliment. Next, yeah, next. next. Um, yeah, I think, um, I think that it, it, improv was a really good base for me mm. in, in the way in which I create now, which is, which is, I think I like showing the hmm. flaws, especially in the books I've made. I, 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 some of them were full illustrated books and some had illustrations in them. And I started really loving the idea of, of you're seeing every time I mess up. Yeah. And that's part of it. Like the drawing is drawing. You're seeing where I like kind of <laughs> fucked up the hands over here. And I'm so sorry. Am I not? Is that the first time I cursed and am I not supposed to do that? No, it's okay. We Great. can bleep and Great. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised it took me that long. Um, but I like showing yeah. the flaws and I like seeing the process. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it's all part of it. Like, uh, especially the writing of a show. Mm. There's, listen, I, I love Broad City and I love what we put out into the world, but we messed up a lot too. And we did things the wrong way, whether it was like stuff you guys never saw on mm-hmm. the on the show running part mm-hmm. of it. And like, you know, running a, a lot of people working on a thing, right, you right, are right. inevitably going to make mistakes and learn from them. And 
I think that that is all part of the creative process and learning from them and trying to acknowledge it right. and make it better the next time. Yeah. And sometimes the failing and it, it makes it like open something up in a whole new way in a right. writer's room or something. Right, right, and right. I, I can't think of a really good example. No, I, I get what you're saying. I, I, it's, it's just that with improv, the failure is more public or public for the audience members who are there for the shots <laughs> that you hand them. Yeah. But I mean, I think... Yes, the improv is public for the like, depending on where you're performing yeah. improv. There, <laughs> right. It could be like 20 people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but there's definitely public, more public failures I've experienced more recently that I, you, you, I think you have to just look at them mm. and try and yeah. do better the next time. Whereas, and the same thing in comedy. Yeah. Maybe not as with a serious eye, but kind of is if the goal is laughter yeah and feeling right and you it's quiet then you you gotta figure out how to it's like a faster learning process it's a fa it's very quick there's like that immediate metric but with improv the failure is like oh i just it was a, that scene was a total dud it's now wiped we're on to the next yes on to the next and show. that is that is the, the yeah. greatest part about it is like you have to sort of move past it right 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 Hi, I'm Debbie Millman. Canva is great for designing visual content for work, no matter what industry or department you work in. Now your next presentation with Canva Presentations. Start with a professionally designed template and use it as a springboard for your design. It's a serious time saver. Time to present but can't be there in person? Enter Canva Talking Presentations. Record yourself presenting and add your talking head to your slides so your audience can watch your perfected presentation anywhere, anytime. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. So about Broad City, the show, going back to like the era you were in, you know, I, I just said what, what's very true for me, like you guys were such a beacon of hope to so many of us who were like, I also want to have a career in this world, maybe not even in comedy, just like I want to make stuff. And YouTube presented, you were part of this era of YouTube where Issa Rae was making The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl, yep. that turned into the HBO show Insecure. Yep. Um, Lena Dunham had been doing a lot of stuff on YouTube that uh, was always referenced every time you know, Tiny Furniture, her first feature was talked about. So YouTube felt like this, like, we're going to get past the gatekeepers. Yeah. Were you conscious of that when you guys made Broad City? Because Broad City started as a YouTube series and went to, um, went to television. Were you conscious of that? Or were you just like, we just want a space to make our work? We were ultimately, we were both on these teams and taking classes at the theater trying to get on the stage. Yeah. And we sort of felt in hanging out and whenever we stepped out together yeah. that that dynamic was so unique and yeah. kind of had legs to it. And we just made each other laugh so much that, and we could not get on these teams. Like we <laughs> were auditioning. Yeah. yeah. We could just, and, and we were both auditioning for whatever, but hardly could get on the auditions. And, uh, you know, Alana and I are both not your typical Hollywood yeah. look. Yeah. You know, also at the UCB, I, I don't know at now, but at the time there was like, 
if there's a team of eight people, one was a woman. (laughs) And so it would just happen that way somehow. Uh, And so, (laughs) how did, so weird, it's always like that. And um, so we just, we had the world. Uh, And so you just knew that there were this limited number of spots. And we just couldn't couldn't get on, couldn't get seen. Yeah. But the two of us were, I, we just kept being like, but we we know this is funny. Yeah, we know there's something here, even if we're just making it for us. Right. Even if we can take just the power back of creating a thing. Right. Away from whoever like lets you be on stage, and so once we sort of had that conversation, like, what if we made? Yeah. Like we went to a pizza shop. And like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> What if we just make a thing? Yeah. And then it was like, we were off to the races. We were yeah. like, we had all, got all these different collaborators from the community, people that wanted to direct, people that wanted yeah. to edit, other actors. And it was so small. We would mm. pay like little bars. I lived in Astoria in Queens and Alana lived in Park Slope. And we would pay little bars like $50 to shoot in their back little corner right. for like an hour. Yeah. Stealing stuff on the subway and it just all of a sudden gave us control. Yeah. And the YouTube aspect part of it was like, I'm so not tech savvy. (laughs) (laughs) And this was before, like I never considered myself a YouTuber. Yeah. And our web series, but, like 2,500 people watched our web series, right, right. which is not a lot at all. But it was something we could send our parents yeah. to prove that we were actually doing comedy. Yeah. And it was, we thought it was really good. Yeah. Something in it was good. And, and then we just believed in it and just kept making them. Yeah. And so we made 35 of them for like two years. And I don't even know what the question was. I'm just going. No, no, no. That was that was great. Just going with it. It was the era of YouTube. Yeah, you completely I talk, nailed. Talked it. about this in a while. I love. Yeah, it. and it was so exciting because we would also do like these live shows at different venues, uh, like 92 I Tribeca. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. But we would do these live shows where we would screen episodes, and I will never forget there. What I just was talking about this in the in the League of Their Own Writers Room this feeling um we we were part of this little film the short film festival called iron mule Mm -hmm. and so funny hannibal burris was like this just there too Mm -hmm. who was like an old friend of ours who ended up being in the web series and then in the um in the tv show but we were just part of this shorts this little shorts festival but our a photo of us was in the new york times Mm -hmm. and it was like this (laughs) teeny photo and i will never forget taking the subway to work. Yeah. And I worked at a job next to Alana at the time. Yeah. At a place called Life Booker, <laughs> right. which we then used in the show and made that her job. Became, but I yeah. held the, the New York Times as if everyone on the train knew. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like... Yeah. They were like, <laughs> it oh is my like God, a that teeny, tiny, tiny yeah. photo of us on Houston wow. in front of a mural. And it was like just that feeling of... Mm-hmm. Like anything is possible. Yeah. I don't know. It was very. It yeah. was a really big moment. Yeah. And no one had seen it, and it was just like. Yeah. I don't know. I think that following the, that feeling, those yeah. little. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that. But no, no, no. Guess it's... I am like the character, huh? <laughs> <laughs> just rambling, rambling. No, it's perfect. Um, so, in a, in a broader sense of. Broad City is, you know, something I loved so much about it and something that I felt was so fresh 
is you have these two women who are always building each other up, building each other up and are obsessed with each other. And there was like, I, I remember just breathing this like breath, of, it was like a breath of fresh air to watch this and just be like, this feels new and it's sad that it feels new yeah. and yet it's still new. Was that a, did you go in with that mindset to be like, we are gonna show the type of uh, female friendships we wanna see or was it just more organic? It was more organic. Yeah. I think it was just, again, it might've been just, we had, ju I guess we performed on this improv team for two years before we made the show. Mm. I met Alana in tw 2007, right after I was uploading all the TED Talks. And, um, <laughs> but it was a newer yeah. friendship. Yeah. It was really based on like just the enthusiasm of being around each other and yeah. sort of, we just had a lot of fun together. I don't know if anyone has ever made me laugh like that. Yeah. And vice versa, I think. But it was this, um, and we use like direct things in the show that, I, yeah, it it was very organic. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the last shot of Broad City, which I got chills when I watched it when it aired. And then this morning, I couldn't access my Hulu account because we're in Canada, so I bought the episode <laughs> and I watched the end and I got I chills. Did get an, I got an alert. You got an alert that, that bought, yeah. someone in Vancouver. We get paid directly right <laughs> yeah, when yeah. you watch the episode. My two ninety nine went right to yeah. you. Um, and then we met for the first yeah. time right after that. But I just want to say I walk, I it's a it's a really rare piece of art that can give you the same response that you had when you first saw it as when you know exactly what you're about to watch and then you watch it again. And I got that feeling in my lovely little Airbnb a few blocks away in Vancouver. <sighs> and I, you know, like whenever I feel that from any piece of work, I just always like, I don't know, feel compelled to thank the people who made it. So thank you. Oh my goodness. But I want to talk about the last shot because, and this isn't a spoiler, but um, Al Alana is on the phone with you and then she gets off the call and then she walks down into the Union Square subway station. And so the last shot of Broad City doesn't actually have either of you in it, no. but what you see is pairs of friendships, pairs of friends walking up the stairs, having their own little conversations and then you pull out, I'm literally getting chills right now I as too. I I'm just like, re-narrate to you <laughs> your last scene. Um, wow, it's so good. But you just see pairs of friends talking about things they've done the night before. Just you capture these little worlds of friendships and then you pull out in this like big sweeping crane shot of Union Square and you see all these friends passing each other. And it to me it like spoke so much to like the legacy of the show. How would you define the legacy that you want for the show? Oh wow. Um I haven't quite heard like uh, anyone talk about the show in a second mm. like that. That means so much to me that you felt that way. Mm. That is exactly how kind of the intention. Mm. I hope the legacy is that whether you have your person or people yet, yeah. that they're there. Mm. And that what, what Alana and I had, which I, I think I, if you watch it and you felt like you, mm, 
I'm going to go back and figure out how to say this in a yeah. succinct way because I'm like, this is overwhelming to me mm. in a way. It's like that scene was so difficult to come to in a way. How mm. do we end a, a show? Yeah. And I'm going to come around to the, the answer. Ready. But I, I, we were writing it and actually Paul W. Downs, who created and is in that the show now called Hacks. Mm. Great show. He wrote on the show the whole five seasons of Broad City, too. And we're struggling, we're struggling. Paul comes in one morning, he says, I had a vision. And he, it was that. Wow. It was like, we knew, we were struggling so much for how to end the Abbey and Alana, but, but we wanted it to end bigger and to yeah. feel like you were a part of it. Yeah. Like, that's always, I guess, the legacy, I, I don't know how to answer the legacy, but I guess I, we always wanted people to feel like they were hanging out with us. Yeah. And like maybe if you didn't have your Abby or Alana, like you had us. Yeah. Or maybe if you did, you can watch it with us. Right, right, And right. if you're in New York, you get it a little bit more, but wherever you are, yeah. you have your own spots and your own hustles and shenanigans that totally. you get up to. So we wanted to end it feeling like you just saw, you just saw one yeah. of millions yeah. of these. And maybe if you don't have that yet, you can, you can find it. Yeah. Because I think there can be a sense of loneliness to the city um, when you don't find your person, when you don't find that person. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was just a pleasure to revisit. Oh, so man. deal with it. And congratulations on the 299 that is now <laughs> in your Venmo account. I wish. That would be great. <laughs> I get a little alert. Thank you. You get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you have the rare privilege you had the rare privilege of deciding to end a television show, which is incredibly rare in this line of work. I know. Um, was it hard to make that decision? Yeah, it was really difficult. Uh, I think that when I watch a show, as much as I love it, you never want it to go... I, I'm yeah. not going to say a show that I'm talking about, but yeah. sometimes it goes a little too long, yeah. and then you're like, yeah. No, I loved it. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I don't. I, we never wanted to outstay our welcome. Yeah. And we, in the fourth season, we really started. You know, it's mostly episodic, and uh, so you can you can for the most part come into any episode. Mm. There there is like an arc to it a little bit in the be- in the first three seasons, but in the fourth season, we really started to dive a little bit more into the two of them kind of growing growing yeah <laughs> which is so funny because like characters grow but on a lot of sitcoms the reason they last for 15 years is because they kind of don't change yeah. that much and that's why you can continually do any storyline and we really wanted to explore them changing yeah and once we started diving into that we realized you know what what happens when two friends that are obsessed with each other and love each other so much what happens when things have to change a little bit? Yeah. And that made it so much more emotional for us to write it and right. feel, it just felt really right. And we, I mean, we were, we were contracted for seven years and Kent Alterman, who used to run Comedy Central and Viacom, fought for us to end it. Wow. Like, that doesn't happen. That's so good. And then they they completely changed their whole thing but yeah. he's not there anymore he was he really fought to make it and he mm. fought to let us end it when we wanted to Definitely. which is very very rare of a right. of a tv exec yeah um i am looking at the time and i'm realizing there's something 
we I we have to talk about what you're working on now. Yeah. Um, I'm skipping so many of my yeah, little yeah, questions, yeah. but you are adapting a league of their own. Yeah. Um, talk. <laughs> you about guys have ever seen that one? <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, we love I know, it. I'm like, great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is Broad City? Um, no, so A League of Their Own, 1992 film yep. um, about the Women's Baseball League. Mm -hmm. um, okay, what drew you to that story? Okay, so Will Graham, who I created it with, approached me. I was still making Broad City, like 2017. Mm -hmm. And he said, I got this idea. I really would love to make a TV version mm. and I he, and he said do you want to do it with me and I was like how do I yeah how do I <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't yeah. say no to that and then we talked a lot about what we would do yeah. and so I don't it is a TV adaptation but I, I kind of like to, to think of it as a reimagining mm. because it's a lot of people's favorite movie <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and it's very different Right. The movie's over here. Yeah. The movie, you can watch any, the movie whenever you want. Yeah. And the TV show will be over here. And so the movie explores the All-American Girls Baseball League, mm -hmm. which is great. The movie, I love the movie. It, mm. Like, it's, it's one of my favorite movies yeah. uh, as a kid and now. It, it holds up in a lot of ways. So our reimagining is about, uh, it's sort of like opening up the lens mm. of women in the 1940s that dreamed of playing baseball. Right. So it's kind of a two-hander. Yeah. I'm one hand. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I'm sort of what you're used to in the movie, like the All-American Girls League. Uh, I go and, and you will follow my character mm. in, that, uh, in that way. And it's also about this character, Max, who's played by Shantae Adams, who's mm. a black woman. Mm. And in the movie, I think you might remember... <laughs> There's um, that one scene. There's a one scene where the ball rolls. The ball rolls, and a black woman picks it up and chucks it back uh, to Gina Davis, and she's like, "Ah, whoa." Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. And, and that's intersectional feminism. Yes. Yeah, just a one scene. You know, and I we I got Will and I got the chance to talk to Penny Marshall, who directed the film before she passed away, and we asked we got to ask her all these questions. It wasn't a very long conversation, but you know, she said. You know, I was try I was trying to nod. Mm. I was I almost did a Penny Marshall impersonation, <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. But she was like, I'm tr I was trying to acknowledge all these things, and yeah. that was like a really quick acknowledgement that this woman would have been good enough to be on this right, league, right, right. but was not allowed. Yeah. And so our show is really examining. You know, this league was an incredible space. We still do not have a professional women's. Uh, mm. Major League Baseball team now. Mm. This is the only time in history that ever happened. And our show is examining, well, for a lot of people, for a lot of women, white women and mm -hmm. white passing women, mm -hmm. this allowed them to play professional baseball. Yeah. But if you were not in that category, you were not allowed in that door. Yeah. And Max uh, is roughly based on three women who ended up playing in the Negro Leagues with men. Mm which is incredible. Mamie right. Johnson, who went to the tryouts and was not allowed on, Connie Morgan, and Tony Stone. And so our show is not, there's none of the characters from the movie. Yeah. But there's, uh, it still, I think, has the spirit of the movie, mm. but it's touching on a lot of things that the movie doesn't, like race, and believe it or not, there's some queer women <laughs> playing professional baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess in the 90s, they just like, they weren't aware. No, no, no. Um, Queerness was, was invented it was, after yeah, that. Yeah, so, so that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, the show is pretty queer. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, there is, let's just talk about it, there is an inherent queerness that a lot of people read on to the movie, A League of Their Own. Yes, but no, yeah. It's like, so gay. It is kind of a iconically gay movie, yeah. but no one's no gay. No one's gay. I mean, not even Rosie. I know. Rosie wasn't even out yet. Ro- I think she was, or maybe she wasn't publicly. I think she came out in the late 90s. Not publicly. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. I got a chance to talk to her, too, about it. Maybe wow. it wasn't, I didn't know when she publicly came out, but she was definitely, like, yeah, yeah. every, you know, but she was, like... A practicing queer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, she yeah, was let's, pra- like, make sure the data's right in yeah, her Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. We'll fact check that, too. <laughs> when did it start for you? Um, that's what I'll ask Rosie personally. Um, Abby Jacobson said that you were... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll get... I'll, I'll, I'll get thrown under yeah. the bus for that one. Um, you know, there is there is a queerness. So, what um, if you're comfortable talking about it? I mean, you you kind of publicly came out through, if my research led me correctly, through a kind of weird interview with a journalist. I think that would um, yeah, it was a really weird interview, yeah. and um, <laughs> I, my Abby Abrams came out because yeah. I was like what yeah i think it's so interesting whatever like that that queer people like have to publicly come out yeah. like I, w- this is an obvious statement but like i hate that like straight people don't have to say a fucking thing yeah yeah and um yeah so i it was in a it was kind of a big outlet it was vanity fair i think i was promoting the book six balloons no six balloons yeah. it definitely would have been the book because the yeah. book is yeah. is all about that uh that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, it was for Six Wounds, which is this uh, film I was doing. And she goes, you're such a catch. Like, why are you single? <laughs> like, what kind of guy are you into? You're, I don't get it. And I was like, oh. Hmm. Like, it was not a secret to me at all, but I also yeah. wasn't going to, like, like, tweet it. Yeah, yeah. Or, I don't know, that just didn't feel like my vibe and I stumbled through mm. making sure she knew I was queer on the phone <laughs> and then in the article it it appears I was stumbling through yeah. it but I yeah I was I guess I was just relieved that I I don't know it was but but it wasn't a secret like you were no, like I, I want to be honest about this but it's not like I don't want this to be a coming out but you understand how media works too not at all and I also the way she even phrased it, I was like, oh, this is not a thing that's known. Mm. Even though I, like Rosie, I was practicing. Uh, so <laughs> I think that's correct in my Wikipedia. So yeah. no one needs to go on oh, it. Oh, I'll be editing it yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I don't know what, I, I just was like, well, I have to correct this person because I don't, this is an incorrect. Yeah. Uh, th- except for the fact that I am a catch, but um, yeah. yeah, not I not, not correct, don't correct yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, it was clumsy. I was I was trying to formulate this question, but like you're totally right that I think this whole notion and performance of coming out is kind of bizarre. I think you know, like I came out at 18, which was so like 
I had a very Ryan Murphy coming out. You know, it's a like, <laughs> mom, dad, I'm gay, you know, and they're like, we know, and then everyone was like crying. And I think like, that changes, like I, 2006 is recent, but it feels like a totally different time Wait, you're, you're, wait, 2006 was... Is when I came okay, out. Okay, I was like, wait, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> I'm telling you, well, no. Yeah, I, yeah I, I came out in 2006, and it just feels so different, meaning the, what you're articulating is, I think, the prevailing feeling of, like, I don't want to come out, I'm just queer, like... I just didn't feel like I needed to make some sort of announcement. Yeah. I also, I mean, I was so old. Yeah. But, like, it was, like, I was... Not that that has anything to do with the announcement. I just like sort of realized this about myself pretty late. Mm. And once I did, I was very much open about it. I mean, it's in everything I make. Yeah, yeah. And I think, (laughs) uh, and I don't know. I mean, it was sort of like kind of right that it happened that way. I was like, oh. You don't know, Vanity (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Yeah, you got to educate them. so uh, is queerness consciously woven into A League of Their Own, the new adaptation? Yeah. Um, listen, it's about so many other things. Yeah. Like, it's like a sports show. Like, yeah. I think it's like such a, oh, sp- it has, I mean, we're, I'll be done in post in like two weeks. I'm yeah. still very much in it every day. But, uh, but yes, the queerness is without a doubt woven into it. And to... I just don't think there are a lot of queer stories mm. um, from that time period yeah. that are that are shown, and I think um, it's they're based on real. We've did a lot, a lot of research for the show, mm. and um, it was exciting to to. I, I had, I, believe it or not, I didn't do a ton. Of, we didn't have a research department for Broad City, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, it was yeah. uh, a really important part of the show. Yeah, you're making me realize something too, which is, you know, a lot of the time with, with the current era of media, when it's like people refer to shows and work as IP. Um, there's a lot of eye rolling and some of it is valid of like, oh, everything's a reboot these days. But I think what what I'm realizing now talking to is like there can actually be a beauty to that too because it's taking these stories, not referring to it as IP, but stories that we all really loved and saying, okay, but what if you just turn the camera this way? You know, like what if you, it's, it's this world, the cam- we're putting the camera in this world, but we're angling it away a little. So when, I'm just curious about the creative process of taking a known story. From the beginning, you wanted to make sure it wasn't those characters? Yes. Yeah. And, um, and I'm not attempting to <laughs> be rewrite. Gina Davis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In any way. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that, that would be a hilarious thing to me that I, I mean, I, I don't know why I, that's just, she's just the, such a movie star. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no one is the same. There are definitely nods to yeah. the movie because as a lover and a fan of the movie, you also want to see the little nods. Totally. But 
a lot of the nods to the movie are real things that happened in yeah. the league. Yeah. And so we're going to include them again. Yeah. Because we talked to real players and read mm. all this stuff about the league and the era and, and what like getting into that league was like and the tryouts and all these things. So I think it's a really difficult task, especially when it's people's favorite movie. Yeah. But now I'm at the end of it and I've been really nervous about this for the whole... Mm. I mean, I started doing this in 2017 and where we are now. And I've been nervous. Like, are we going to get this right? Are people going to mm. hate it? And they're, you know, a lot of, I imagine people are going to watch it like this. Like, yeah. well, let's just see what, you know, how you <laughs> ruined my movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and a lot of people might. Yeah. And this might not be for them. But I, I'm at a point right now where I think this is like where you have to be as a creative. Hmm. I'm really proud of it. Good. And I think, I think we made something really different than the movie and mm. something really good and mm. i i don't know like that's so scary to say mm -hmm. but that's all it's like the best you can hope for and then if it's not received then i did what i could yeah you know i don't know but i think we really i feel good about honoring these women's stories yeah no you have to what a gift that you're able because like it also, I'm so glad that you're saying this and saying this on the record here. That I think it's good. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I mean that because I think... They're going to be like, she said she thinks yeah, it's yeah, yeah. good you're when it comes out. You're going to be memeable, yeah, and I'm going to be like making some face in the background. Um, no, I think that's such a beautiful thing, and I love that it's... I do love that it's recorded because I think... Whenever we put art out into the world, we then average what we feel with what other people say about it. Yeah. And it's like, I, I wish we didn't have to do that. Like, you believe in it, you like it. That's so cool. Yeah, it is cool. I mean, I'm going to be a nervous wreck when it comes out. Of course. But, but you have ultimately, to you just got to yeah. trust your gut, yeah. kind of. Completely. Yeah. Um, for, for many people who aren't in the television world, it, TV development is an agonizingly long process. Yeah. Agonizingly long. If I understand correctly, you pitched A League of Their Own and sold it in 2017. Yeah. Pilot written and shot in 2018, or you wrote the whole season and then you shot a pilot? We wrote, we had a development room where we wrote an entire season. It was originally going to be a half-hour comedy. Then we got feedback that they wanted us to rework the pilot. Will and I rewrote the pilot now. And I'm actually very happy that that happened. The, mm. the show changed a lot. Yeah. And I had not, I was waiting to, to officially be in it. Mm. I don't know why. I think mm. I was still in Broad City and I was like, I do, do I want to do this? Mm. And I kind of was waiting until I loved her. Mm. Mm. And I, we were working on it for so long. And then finally we rewrote the pilot. And then I sort of fell in love with the character. My character's name is Carson. And then we shot the new pilot in February of 2020. So right before COVID. Yeah. And then we wrote- So you, fit, you wrapped? We f the pilot. Right, you wrapped the pilot, you wrapped production, and then you were in the edit. I was editing when they were like, we need to leave the facility yeah, wow. <laughs> in person. And then we edited remotely and then we got picked up and then we wrote season one again. Uh -huh. Now as an hour long dramedy, yeah. um, all on Zoom in 2020 and 2021. Shot it, where are we? I shot, we <laughs> shot it 
in Wishad in Pittsburgh. Yeah. This summer, this summer, yeah. last summer. Yeah, 2021. Yeah. And I'm still in post on it. And then it's coming out this year. It comes out this summer. Wow. So it's a, it's a long process. That's going to be five years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so again, we talked about failure. Good thing I like it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. We talked about failure and how that applies to TV. But I think the other interesting thing about improv is that improv is don't think. Don't think, just do, right? Like build it, tear it down, don't think about it. That is antithetical to the TV development process, yeah. which is like think constantly. Yeah. This executive in a faraway tower on a lot somewhere is telling you, I don't feel emotion from this. And you have to like constantly be thinking, how do you keep that, I guess it's a, a similar question, but how do you keep that freshness of the improv spirit as you are spending hours on a line? I think it's also like, it, it's a, I feel like it's like a hustle energy mm. of improv of like, okay, then I'll try this. Yeah. Or like, I'm always going to try this. And even in like a writer's room, when I hire a writer, the, the, my favorite kind of writer is someone who is going to be like, okay, that didn't work. What about this? Like, what about this? Like someone who's going to keep coming with ideas. And listen, sometimes I'm the worst where I'm like, I don't know, like mm. negating. Yeah. You, you, and you kind of always, I'm like, Okay, maybe not that, but then what else? Like, yes, yeah. ending is like yeah, a yeah. big rule of, of comedy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. improv. Like, yes or no, but also maybe this. <laughs> yeah, like, just yeah. like adding, adding. upon. And uh, I think in production, where like you need writing and production of television, things change so much. Like, this, the, the production of this show, every single thing hmm. that could have gone wrong went wrong (laughs) and it was a constant okay we gotta like we have to rewrite this scene to be shot tomorrow this is this it's raining every did you guys know that it rains more in pittsburgh than (laughs) almost anywhere in the in the united states well because i didn't and you learned (laughs) and we're shooting a show about a baseball (laughs) (laughs) all indoors all the indoor fields. It was fields. just sort of like, yeah. what do we do? What do we do? Like, we got to move this here. We got to like shoot yeah. here. Maybe they're not in it. Like, it's it's it. I still feel that muscle is yeah. constantly being working out because worked out because you have to you have to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. And so, even though the writing process is so thorough and sort of feels never ending, it's like there's another whole stage where like that's done, and now you're like taking the writing and you're like having to make this other thing work and then you shot it all and we're never going back there right now to reshoot so we're in we're in screenville and we have to make what we got work (laughs) in the edit and that's like a whole other like okay well what if we recut it like this or like let's really bring in a cue like there it's like never ending sort of like obstacle course you're on and you, you, just with your description, it's it, it's also like the writing doesn't end. You know, like I have rewritten in the edit because yeah. you're oh, like you have to. Yeah, even can. if you get exactly what you want, sometimes you're like, oh, it's not that doesn't work. Yeah. what I th- the way I thought it would. And it's mystifying that something that can kill in the room, kill on set. Yep, falls flat. Yeah, in the edit, and and so. I, I think the writing process kind of doesn't end at the room, right? It's like, it's on and on and on. The editors that I've worked with are, I mean, they're 
they're re- they're writing. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, completely. You you have to like rework a whole scene sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So all all together. Yeah. Um, I know I know you're working on your fantasy project now. This this was a dream project for you, and Broad City was a fantasy project, but I'm all, I'm just curious. And I encourage you to just go wild with this answer, but what is your absolute, what's an absolute fantasy project you have? Okay, I have two things. I want them both. Here we go. One, I have not made, I've done books where I made made artwork, Mm. but they never felt like actually the like Mm. art I wanna make. Mm. They always were in book form, they're very small. I'm. Like I've been talking about this for years. I want like I want to paint again mm. so badly. That and this project that I've been trying to work on is adapting this short story that I can't say who what it is because I'm trying to get the rights so mm. bad. Can I list some names? <laughs> no, I won't I, do that. I, I don't know if she I yeah. maybe it'd be helpful. Like, should I look into a camera and plead? <laughs> uh but uh, I really want to write a, a film yeah. and direct it mm. and not on be these in it. Short stories. I don't want to be in it. Based yeah. on these short stories? Just one short story. Wow. Okay. I'm ready to... So, and it's like an older short story and I'm, I read it during COVID and mm. I sort of couldn't stop thinking about it. Mm. And that's really what I would love to do. And, and I haven't worked on a piece of writing by myself in a, in a number of years and that's sort of what I'm longing to do I love a collaborative experience but yeah. I would love to do something on both of those things are pretty pretty solo okay that's exciting yeah I can't wait for both well Abby thank you so much my goodness this, thank you so much I know this just uh, sped by thank you all so much for being here thank you to our TED members for watching thank you Debbie for watching Debbie, Debbie. we love you uh, we hope Design Matters was in good hands <laughs> just for these 90 minutes, and um, once again, Abby Jacobson. Thank you all so much. That was Abby Jacobson in conversation with Dylan Marin at the TED 2022 conference in Vancouver. I hope to interview both of them separately in the near future. This is the 18th year we've been podcasting Design Matters, and I'd like to thank you for listening. And remember, we can talk about making a difference, we can make a difference, or we can do both. I'm Debbie Millman, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Design Matters is produced for the TED Audio Collective by Curtis Fox Productions. Interviews are usually recorded at the School of Visual Arts Master's in Branding program in New York City, the first and longest-running branding program in the world. The editor-in-chief of Design Matters Media is Emily Wyland.